Joy is your compass. Jesus is your destination. Well, good morning, all you beautiful people. Today is a day of celebration because it is National Log Cabin Day. <laughs> you know those Lincoln logs you used to play with? There's a national holiday. It's National Log Cabin Day. Yeah, it really didn't do much for me this morning either, so I'm an overachiever, and I looked ahead till tomorrow. And tomorrow is National Forgiveness Day. Uh-huh, see, that got a little more attention there, yeah. See, they actually made it. It's not just a Christian thing to do. It's a person thing to do, that they made it a national holiday. So I encourage you today and tomorrow to be intentional If someone is on your nerves at this very moment, think of that person for a split second and say, Lord, I forgive them for being on my nerves. (laughs) Counting my blessings today. I don't know if you all saw that little munchkin walking with me and Pastor Marlin. That is the most adorable, almost two-year-old in the entire world. That is our granddaughter, Gianna. She came to stay the weekend at Pop Pop and Mimi's house. And she's really a good little girl, like really, really is. But it's been a while, you know, and you forget how much work they are. Yeah, how much work they are. Like, I had to get up and feed her this morning. Like, I don't eat before church. And I was like, oh, man, I got to get up 30 minutes early to feed her. I didn't even get her hair done at home. Like, it takes me longer to do her hair than my hair. I had to do her hair in the office when I got to church. It's like, that's how much work and how much time I needed. But she is so much fun. I'm so thankful when she gets to come and spend the weekend with us. And she wakes up and she'll just be like, Papa, where's Mimi? And Papa, I can hear him in there. He's like, I'm right here. And she's like, where's Mimi? And then it's, where's baby Sasha? That was her baby doll that we forgot to put in her crib with her last night. And she woke up and realized that she's fun. And we are uh, counting our blessings because hopefully you all know that there's a pot, pot blessing Lots of food after church today. We want everybody to stay after church and to just mingle and fellowship and eat really good food. And I encourage you to just sit by someone you don't know. At least, at the very least, introduce yourself and meet someone that you don't know. Because this is all family. We are all family. You ever, like, have that moment where you're, you know, you're, you're like, at least an older kid or an adult and you meet someone in your legit, you know, blood family for the first time? That's what this is. So you got to meet everybody because we are all washed in the same blood of Christ. Amen. We are family. So please stay. Even, don't worry if you didn't bring anything and you didn't know about it. There's plenty. Please bring. We have two of our pastors are going to um, make some hamburgers, hot dogs closer to the end of service. So if you smell that, you still have to wait until I say, love everybody, pray hard. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you for your presence in, in this family here. Thank you that you have intentionally brought each and every one of us together as one family in Christ at this place, at this moment in time, Lord, for your presence to be known and to be heard. So, Father God, I surrender my my agenda. I surrender my notes. I surrender my desires, God, and I pray, Lord, that only you are spoken through me. I am, I am so blessed and honored to be your mouthpiece with this message, God. And I pray, Lord, that it is given and received in faith and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Prayer is the most important. Can't, 
Can't deny that, can't take it for granted, it's the most important. Do you ever have that moment where you, where something happened, you're like, oh man, I should have prayed about that. Like when, when I was single, I put up on my mirrors and in my room and everywhere on, you know, what I wanted in a man. I was like, God, he has to be a man after your heart. Like, I want to be with a true worshiper. Now, I was single for 13 years before I met Pastor Marlon after you know, um, my divorce. So we've been together almost seven years. And then I put, um, God, he's got to have a sense of humor because I love to laugh. And I stopped there. I, I should have went a little bit further. Because after about a month into dating Pastor Marlon, we went to Cedar Point. And it was like the first time we had done something, you know, that, like, big fun. Big fun for me. And so we know each other, um, but not, like, you know, everything about our personalities. And we had two of um, our kids with us. We had Trisha and Sabby, and we had um, one of the teenagers from youth group here at church, Gilmarie. I don't know if you remember this. Um, So it was Point Fest. And I am a huge concert worship person. Like, I love to go to worship concerts. So I have been and taken the kids a lot, you know, to Point Fest at Cedar Point. So you go to Cedar Point and you have big fun all day. And then in the evening, you go over to the Soak City part and they have this huge concert and all these bands that, you know, I, I love. And that would have been his first time with that. So we're at Cedar Point. We're having big fun. And then when it's time to go to the concert, you go back to the car and you get your chairs, you know, and you can come back in. So you go back to the car, you know, and I'm, I'm a focused person. I am an on-time, if not early, person. We never had that discussion. <laughs> He's not. But we are going somewhere that I want to go. And it's first come, first serve seating. And I get to the car, and I'm ready to go. And bless his heart, you know, he, he was being so nice. And it was the beginning of pumpkin season. He worked at Trader Joe's. And he brought me all this snacks, this pumpkin-flavored snacks. But seriously, we're, he's in the back of the trunk of the car, and he, like, grabs a snack, puts it in the chair. Grabs a snack, puts it in the chair. And I'm like, my eyes get real big. I'm like, what's he doing? Like, grab them, and let's go. I look at my kids, and they know me. They look back at me, and then they look at each other, and they're like, I don't think Marlon's going to make it through tonight. I am like, anxiety level is like super high as he continues to just enjoy the moment, you know, and grab a snack and put it. That night when I got home, I had, to, yeah, I had that fun moment where I laughed out loud. I was like, yeah, I should have added that. I should have prayed about that. I should have added that. Because I really had to, yeah, I had to adjust my lifestyle a little bit. And he had to adjust his a little bit. So, so now when it's somewhere he wants to go, I'm Okay. I'll just go with wherever he wants to go. But then when it's somewhere I want to go, he he gets there on time for me. (laughs) I saw the first recorded prayer in the Bible. I want to read that with you. The first recorded prayer in the Bible is found in Genesis 4, 25 and 26. And it says, And Adam knew his wife again. And she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. 
I found that pretty interesting because I'm pretty sure Adam and Eve probably thought after that, maybe we should have started praying before Cain and Abel were born and perhaps maybe Cain went and killed Abel. They didn't start praying until after that. Prayer is most important, and the title of my message is Intercessory Prayer. That is one type of prayer. Because there's many ways to pray and to worship God. An intercessor is one who mediates, goes between, pleads for another, is one who represents one person to the other. That's an intercessor. There are three intercessors. Do you know that? There's three intercessors. Jesus, Holy Spirit, and you and I, Christians. Three intercessors. And this message came to me as I was uh, interceding for some family and a situation. But it quickly, as I was interceding and praying, it quickly turned to uh, correction, conviction, and repentance as I was praying. And, I, and before, I, I'm going to get back to that in like a minute or, or 20. First, I want to talk about Jesus. I want to show you, how does Jesus intercede? How does Jesus go between or represent one to another? Because that's what an intercessor is, right? So, so I want to show you. If, can you come help me, um, Craig and Kim? Mm-hmm. I, I just want to show you, I want to give you a visual how Jesus first, one way that he intercedes, okay? So, so Craig is Adam. Kim is Jesus. And this is God. God created Adam. Come in the middle, right? He created humans. He created humans for a purpose. He told Adam, "You have dominion over everything. You are going to represent me on earth. You have dominion over everything. Control it, manage it, rule it, multiply, fill the earth. You are going to represent who I am on the earth." Adam sinned. He failed at representing the true God, right? God is perfect, sinless, matchless. He failed. So God said, okay, I have to send another represented. Then we have Kim. Here, come up here with me so they can see your beautiful face. Jesus. He sends Jesus now to represent who the Father looks like, who the Father is, the attributes, the character of the Father now is Jesus. Jesus is the intercessor for the Father. But it didn't stop there because Jesus, sinless, matchless, and perfect, right? Because now, Adam, because of sin in the world, you and I now need a representative to God because we can't come before the Father as sinners, right? We are sinners. We're born that way, right? Because we're born into a world of sin. So we can't come directly to the Father, but God used Jesus now to do both. Jesus is the intercessor for us to the Father and is the intercessor from the Father to us. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. That is one way that Jesus represents the Father. He looks like the Father. Did you know that? He was here on earth, right? He was all God and all man. He looked like the Father. He showed us personally what the Father looks like. 
You ever meet somebody and you're like, and you see their kid and child and you're like, oh, yeah, it looks just like you. Like this, right? Can you show that picture of Marlon and Marley? Now, if you saw Marlon and Marley walking on the street, you're like, dude, you cannot deny that that is your daughter. Like, really, she looks just like him. <laughs> she is the best part of Marlon. Right? She represents him. She looks like her father. Jesus represents the father. And as our representative, he is guaranteeing our access to the father. Isn't it beautiful? Because of Christ, he guarantees our access to the father with full benefits because he already paid the deductible right? He already paid the insurance, right? We don't have to pay for anything. He represents the Father. How else does Jesus intercede for us? Because it doesn't stop right there. Look at Romans 8, 33 and 34. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. One more. Look at Hebrews 7.25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, Christ, since he, Christ, always lives to make intercession for them. So who is Christ interceding for? You and I. All, all those in him who know him. And where is he doing that? At the right hand of the Father. He is in heaven right next to God, interceding for you and I. And why? To defend us? To advocate for us? Because Satan is the accuser in the scripture. He who condemns, that's Satan. But Jesus is the one who justifies. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father when the accuser comes because he comes every day. He comes nonstop to accuse you of false, right? False things. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father when the devil comes and says, but Marley, Pastor Marley. Jesus is like, no, no, not today, Satan. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. That's my son. He's blood washed. But, but Pastor Monica, no, not today, Satan. That's my daughter. She's blood washed. Amen? Jesus intercedes for us. The next is the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit intercede? Look at Romans 8, 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So who the Holy Spirit is interceding for? The saints. For you and I. And where is he? Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19. 
Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? Holy Spirit is interceding for you through you. Visualize how beautiful that is, that you have a constant Holy Spirit within you interceding for you. We can't ever say we're alone, right? He lives within you interceding for you. And why? Scripture said why? According to the will of God. See, Holy Spirit knows the will of God. You and I do not always know the will of God. Come on. We don't always know the will of God in every situation. Like when I, when I was 20, almost 30 years, 30 years ago now, when I was about to get my first big girl job, I always wanted to work at a bank. I knew that's what I was going to do. So I had two offers. And this was not going to be no part-time, you know. This was, I knew this was like my career. I was going to start one level at the bank, and I knew it. I had two offers. I had two banks, Ohio Savings and Star Bank. They were very similar. There was nothing different. There was no pros and cons. So I was like, God, I don't know which one I should take. Like, this is a job. This is going to be a career. I don't know which one to do. So I had to keep praying. I had to intercede. I had the Holy Spirit, like, you got to speak for me because I don't know God's will in this. And then when the time came, you got to make a decision. I made the decision for Star Bank, and here I am 30 years later still at Star Bank, which was First Star, and now it's U.S. Bank because <laughs> we bought so many. Amen? You don't always know the will of God. Sometimes we do. Now, we can't deny that we know it's the will of God for healing. Come on. Scriptures are over and over and over. God says healing belongs to us. We have a right to always walk in health. In fact, it's a command. The Bible says that you are to lay hands on the sick. Why would he tell us to do something if it wasn't for us? He wouldn't, right? So we know that that's the will of God. We know that unity is the will of God. We know it's scriptures over and over and over about we are to be united as one in Christ. We are to be kind and loving to one another. But when there is division, we don't always know how God is going to bring reconciliation out that. We don't know how God wants to. We don't always know how God wants to heal and restore. We know it's his will to do so, but we don't always know how. God the Father is the one who searches the heart. In that scripture, God the Father is the one who searches the heart and knows the mind of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit prays for us according to the will of God. And he always answers the prayers of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. Amen? Amen. And next, Christians, you and I intercede. And how do we do that? Look at Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end and with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And then one more. Look at 1 Timothy 2.1. 1 through 4. Therefore, I exhort first of all, first of all, that supplications, prayers, you see all these are plural, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, all men. 
for kings and for all in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge, come to the knowledge of the truth. So who do you and I intercede for? Everyone. Scripture said all men. All men. And where do we do that? All the time. Everywhere. It said all the time. Praying always for all men. First of all, he said. First of all. And why do we do that? Well, let's be real. First and most important is because he said so. As much as we always hated our parents saying that because I said so, that's, that's the rule. That's the law. That's the command, right? Because he said so. God chose in the beginning of time, like with, when I was showing you the demonstration of God and Adam, he chose from the beginning to work through us, not independent from us. He chose to work through Adam, not take the place of Adam. The Bible is full of saints interceding, and God heard and answered their prayers. And, and I'm not going to read the scriptures, but just tell you that Abraham, he prayed. He, he prayed. He got God down from 50 to 10. He started at 50 and said, God, please, you won't destroy them if there be 50 righteous. And God said, okay. And he went down to 40 and then 30 and then 20. He got them down to 10, and God said, okay, I won't do it. Because he interceded for them. Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain, and for three and a half years it didn't rain, and then when he prayed again, it rained. Jeremiah is a prophet in the Bible, and he's actually called the weeping prophet because it's full. His book is full of prayers and intercessions of his heart being poured out for the people. And then in the New Testament, Peter prayed on top of houses. Legit went on top of houses. Paul He prayed in prison cells multiple times, multiple times. And Jesus, in those three years that he was, that we see his ministry in the Bible, he prayed over and over. Look at how Jesus interceded while he was on earth. Luke 22, 31 says, And the Lord said, that's talking Jesus, Simon, Simon, Indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Jesus prayed for Simon Peter. He's like, I prayed for you. I prayed. I knew Satan was going to do this, and I prayed that your faith would not fail. I interceded for you to the Father. Peter didn't even know he needed it. Did you get that? Peter didn't even know he needed that prayer. Luke 23, 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That's Jesus is on the cross dying. And he's like, forgive those that are putting me up here. Forgive those that are crucified. Forgive those that are hurting me right now. They don't really realize what they're doing. John 17, 20. This is Jesus praying again. And he said, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through your word. 
He's like, God, I'm not, I'm, I'm not just praying for my disciples now. I'm praying for the disciples that will come, the ones that will believe in me. So first Jesus is praying for a disciple. Then he's praying for the sinners who are attacking him. Then he's praying for the ones that will come to know him. Pretty much covers us all, right? He set a perfect example on how we are to intercede for one another. And one more why. Why did God tell us to intercede? Scripture said perfectly clear that we just read that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Because this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desire all men to to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Remember that scripture started off with, first of all? It said, I exhort you, first of all, and to pray for kings and all that are in authority. Every scripture is valuable and is for us. He said, first of all, I want you to pray for the kings. That's who ruled at that time. They were kings. They weren't presidents. And he went on to even say further, all those in authority, just in case you choose to name your, you know, your leader something else, you are first of all required and commanded to pray for all those in authority. When was the last time you prayed for the president or anyone in authority? Because we already know why. He said, because I want you to lead a a peaceable and quiet life. Why? Because I want everyone to come to know me. When was the last time you made fun of him? Because you don't like him. Because he wasn't who you voted for. So he must not be good. He's not God's choice, so he must not be good. Since when can't God change anyone? Since when can't God save anyone? Since when do we not believe in every prayer in Scripture in the Bible? It doesn't matter. If, if, it doesn't matter at the point that the, whoever is ruling and making, authority, or, or making decisions or have authority over us. We don't stop praying. Right? We don't stop believing that he's still all-powerful and he's still sovereign and he still desires that all come to be saved. What a miracle that would be, right? What a beautiful miracle that would be when we saw our leaders of the world actually leading us as one nation under God. That happens when we do, first of all. That happens when we take the Bible literally at its word and we actually pray for them as we're commanded to do. It's not about whether we like them, whether we chose them. It's about where's your faith? Where's your belief? Is it in every scripture? Or only until the point when the votes are done and then you back off. After every election, I found this prayer that I I made a gazillion copies so you all have one when you leave. I found this prayer in a magazine 30 years ago. And I've prayed this prayer every day for 30 years. And I take that scripture literally and I say, Lord, first of all. 
I lift up president and whoever the president is at that time. I lift up President Biden. I lift up political leaders. I lift up everyone who is in authority who can potentially affect the spread of the gospel. Because yeah. yeah. you know there are some in authority that can affect the spread of the gospel. I pray for them first of all, God, and I give you thanks because you are all powerful. You have the power to put some in place and to remove others. You have the power to save anyone in any position. You have the power to turn their hearts inward towards you and to lead us as one nation under God. Because first of all, we are to intercede for all men, for everyone. How do we do that better? As I was interceding, you know, I told you that my heart was convicted. I was, God, how can we do that better? First is awareness. First step to intercede, be better at interceding for one another is to be aware. We need to ask Holy Spirit to, to make us aware of each other, to make us aware. God, make me aware of the hurts and the cries and the pains and the prayers of those that you put in front of me. Be willing to cry tears like the weeping prophet Jeremiah. Be willing to cry tears for someone else. And the next is to be available. Be available when God puts somebody on your heart and know that you're not always going to know why. He's not, that's what the Holy Spirit's for. That's how he intercedes for us because you're not always going to know why. I mean, when God wakes you up in the middle of the night, it wasn't just to go to the bathroom when that person's face, you know, came to your spirit. That's for you to pray for them. You don't need to know why, but you got to be like, God, I am available. At this moment, no matter how tired I am, you put that person's face in my spirit for a reason and I pray for them. You know why I don't, God, but I pray that your will be done. Ezekiel 22:30 and 31 said, "So I sought for a man, this is God. I sought for a man among them who would stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one." God saying, "I looked, Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, I looked." There wasn't one that would stand before me and ask me not to surrender the punishment that they deserved. Don't be that one. Next is acceptance. This one's the hard one because you have to be willing to accept to pray for whoever God puts in front of you. It's not whether they deserve it. It's not whether you like them or not. It's you got to accept and pray for who God puts in front of you. And then accountability. Know that if God puts someone on your heart to pray for, he will hold you accountable for it. You will be accountable for your faithfulness to pray or your failure to pray. It's not by chance that somebody randomly comes to your mind as a believer. That's when you pray. An accessory prayer is a command and a privilege. It's a privilege. When I was interceding for my family members on this particular situation, and, and I started to weep because 
I felt so convicted that I take it for granted. Like I, I saw God just showing me all the times where I, I limit my prayers. Like, God, I, I woke up late. And I don't have all that time right now. Or I saw visions of people in situations where God was literally showing me, I, I called you to pray that day, or I called you to pray that day, and you did your own thing. Like I thought, God, how, why do we take it for granted? Why do we take such a privilege to pray to the Creator? As it's nothing, as it's not important. Do you know, God sent Jesus. He sent his only son to die for us, to, to save us from our sin so we can live in heaven. But that's not all. I mean, God could have stopped there. He could have stopped there and said, okay, yes, one day, you know, you accept Christ into your life, you go to heaven, I'm going to stop there. And he could have still, we could be like the Israelites, like the Old Testament 5,000 years ago, and still have no way to communicate with our Father, no way to communicate with our Creator. They had no way to do that unless he appointed them, unless he chose them, unless you were the prophet, unless you were the priest. God could have still kept his spirit in a box behind a curtain that only if you were appointed you could come and see him. He could have still done that and we could make it to heaven. But he loves us so much. He's like, but I want to talk to you now. I want to see your face now. I want to hear your cries now. We have a privilege that people 5,000 years ago didn't have. We have a privilege to come before Father, Creator, the one who is all-powerful and could take your breath away right now. He could take your breath away right now. He says, I made a way that you could talk to me now. You don't have to wait. I'm not in a box anymore. I'm not behind a curtain. I'm right here, when you say Jesus, when you say Jesus, I am right there. I, I sat on that question so long saying, God, why? Why do we take it for granted? Why do I take it for granted? And I had no answer to that question. And we may all have different reasons why we do, but the only way God answered me in that question was, he said, but I bet you won't now, because now you know. And now you know. And we're accountable to what we know. We gotta intercede for one another. With the trust Holy Spirit to intercede for us and be confident that Jesus Jesus is interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. The accuser, he can't get through the blood. The enemy can't, his, his, his accusations can't get through the blood of Christ. There is a, there's a paper back there that represents a calendar before you leave. It has uh, dates 1 through 31, just like a regular calendar, days 1 through 31. And I am asking you to be intentional, to pray, 
And Pastor Marlon and I will do the same for you. And I know many of you already do and are intentional about it because we can feel those prayers. We know those prayers, and they are so valuable, and they matter. But I really believe that I, I, God just wants us to be more, a little more united in that and a little more intentional to pray. So I ask you to put your name on, an, on a date. If you choose Pastor Tina and say on the first, you just write Pastor Trina on, on the piece of paper. And then you're saying intentionally on the first of every month, I am praying for Pastor Marlon and Michelle. Intentionally. And then when we get that back, we look at that and we're like, what's today's date? Oh, it's the first. We are intentionally pay, praying for Pastor Trina. That way every day we are intentionally praying for one another. Amen. As the word says so. As God commanded and as the privilege it is to do so. Why? So that we can live a quiet and peaceful life. And that all would come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't mean some, I, I don't mean some prayer like, you know, Lord bless them. No, 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 no. I mean like you pray like the Bible said to pray. Pray always in prayer and supplications without ceasing. You pray as if you're, you're praying for yourself. You pray that God, I ask you to bless. Erica, God, I ask you to fill her more with your spirit. I ask you to stir up her spirit with its eye, God, to just to desire more of you. God, I pray that you meet every need in her life, God, physically, financially, emotionally, and spiritually, God, that she is full. She has abundance. She has overflow in the name of Jesus. I pray, God, that the godly relationships in her life would flourish. I pray, God, that the anointing that you have given her, God, I pray that she is saturated more and more with it. I pray that she has a desire to know you more. I pray that she has a desire to read your word. But I pray that the wisdom and knowledge and understanding of your word would just bubble up, God. I pray that the word becomes life to her when she reads it in Jesus' name. And I declare that she is healthy from the top of her head to the soles of her feet in Jesus' name. You pray as if you were praying for yourself. And I trust, trust me, your word, the words will come out. <laughs> the words will come out. And then if you're still not sure, the Bible has over 650 prayers. You don't have to look far to find one. Jesus himself prayed 25 times in four chapters of the Bible. Jesus never taught, we're going we're gonna to pray if you want to complain. Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach. He didn't teach them how to sing. He didn't teach them how to play an instrument. But the Bible says he taught them to pray. He taught them how to pray. Because that's most valuable. That's our most valuable tool, weapon, and most important privilege. Dr. Caton set a beautiful example here last week when he offered prayer to you. And as I was sitting there, I thought, oh my goodness, I cannot preach on intercessory prayer and not pray for you. So before we go downstairs and have big fun, we want to pray, Pastor Marlon, and I want to pray for you. Very simple prayer that you would live in divine health, physically emotionally, financially, and spiritually. 
And as you wait to be prayed for, pray. Look around and see who God has you lock eyes with, and you pray for them. So we are going to stand at each end, and we ask you just to come up as Erica plays beautifully, softly as she is. Just come up and let us say those prayers for you before we leave today.